0: Today's guest is John Scott. Now, John is a good friend of the program, and he's had a massive NDE with some serious downloads, and we've had a couple podcasts with him already, and I have him back today to pick his brain about some more in-depth NDE information. John, welcome, and thanks for joining me.
1: Uh thank you, Jeff. I should say good morning. Uh what time is it over your way at the moment in Texas?
0: Okay, so yeah, John's in Australia. I'm in Texas. It's seven twenty two and he's time traveled into the future. Right? Ah
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well actually that's a, that's a wow, there's a subject. Uh time travel. Hmm. So which context do you want to talk about time travel, Jeff? Well because I was just in
0: I was just kidding about that, that you're, you're ahead of, I'm just trying to say you're ahead of us in time right now. Well, th- yeah, but
1: that, that's, that's a really loaded question because I can give you a, quite a multifaceted answer right? because as most NDE's uh, attest and I haven't, I look, I don't look at other NDE's. I, mm-hmm. I my NDE was, uh, geez, 27, 28 years ago and I was in, in my thirties. Yes. <clears throat> I turned, I turned 60 uh, next month or could be this month if it's the first in my right. time. So and this is a really good uh, example of um, time uh, being uh, quantum and non-local. The fact that we start talking about time here you are sitting in Texas. You're in a completely different time frame, night time. Mm-hmm. I'm in the morning uh, daytime, and here we are talking about time yeah. uh, in a non-local quantum way. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have a lot of uh, after my NDE, I've had a hell of a lot of problems trying I don't even wear a watch. I call them a slave bangle as a joke, but I don't wear a watch since my NDE.
0: Really? So you've had mm. a lot of um, trouble just with time back in this reality?
1: Absolutely. Um, on a, quite a few levels, um, and uh, its I don't like the word conspiracy, but uh, when I started looking at um, time in terms of calendars, because mm-hmm. uh, there's everyone has different calendars. You might have a Jewish calendar, which is only you know a seven thousand year calendar, which is mostly that underpins the whole biblical uh, notion of seven thousand years. I mean, it's not a literal seven thousand years; it's a symbolic seven thousand years. And and you know just paraphrasing here that a lot of biblical narrative will say things in seven uh, seven days. You know, like the. Uh, Creation myth is in seven days, and you've got seven weeks, which has another, a different connotation. Then you've got seven years, and then seven, you know, uh, mm-hmm. seven comes up a lot as a divine number. Why Take, is that?
0: Why do you think seven well, is such an important
1: number? Well, that's a good point because uh, in my later studies after my NDA, I just, you know, just didn't have this phenomenal experience. So it's like I had to somehow contextualize it. And um, like, this is the pre-conversation I had uh, just before we started here, is I thought, wow, I've had this amazing experience. Now, I've got to find out, has anybody written this down? Where where is it? I mean, so I went, I was guided to the Bible. I didn't go straight there because I was an atheist. I wasn't interested in in reading anything about any religion. And um, so uh, I went looking, you know, to see if NDEs were written in the Bible. And they're not. They're actually not in the Bible. They talk about terms of resurrection and coming back from the dead, whether or not we can contextualize that as an NDE or an OBE, uh, that's open for discussion and debate. And that's something for scholars and theologians to work out. For me, I don't need to debate it. You know, the experience was beyond anything that was written in any book. But I've also read like Bhagavad Gita, and we get back to calendars, they they have massive time frames and scales of time, they call them yugas. Kala Yuga, this Yuga, Satya, Satya Yuga, all of these different yugas which spend thousands and thousands of years. Um, <clears throat> Hinduism, uh, Buddhism has the same. The Mayan calendars, they have 18 calendars, I believe. I was getting into uh, some researcher uh, a few, uh, few years, I've come about a decade, two decades back. And um, he talked of all different calendars. And this is when this big spooky boogeyman, of 2012 and the end of the world, was based off the Mayan calendar, but it, you know it was just the end of a particular uh, calendar or time frame related to specific events, uh, which may have been connected to DNA and I Ching and, and all of these weird abstract juxtapose um, what they call pseudosciences. They're not pseudoscience. I don't like the word pseudoscience because science is about observation. Observation. All science starts with observation. And then we gather those observations and then we look for patterns and then they form new paradigm, parad- uh, paradigm shifts, paradigms, you know, uh, shifts in consciousness. So time is a really weird, um, uh, it's a very abstract concept. I mean, it's not that abstract either. You've got Albert Einstein's relativity, theory of relativity, which you have to factor time in. And when we talk about time, there's relative time and absolute time and when They started to do uh, measurements of the Earth's magnetic um, grid system, which was needed to do detonations in atomics. Um, They put atomic clocks clocks out into space and they kept one on Earth and there was uh, adjustments due to magnetism, which hints at gravity because magnetism and gravity are interlinked. Hence, gravity, time and magnetism are interlinked. We can go take that a bit further. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, also um, with an NDE, You've got to add in that other factor of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So consciousness is another factor yet again. And so a lot of science uh, in current science, what I call the the physical material sciences, they do objectify, meaning they look outside of themselves for observations, but they're forgetting that consciousness itself is uh, a, a big attribute or a factor to determining what we're observing and so we've got to go back full cycle to the sciences and say, well, are we being objective double-blind experiments? And some of these things we can't double-blind. We can't double-blind an NDE. We can't right. do it. It's, it's mm-hmm. impossible.
0: Right. Now, in your NDE, you had an absence of time, which I'm going to coin a new word here, and I'm going to call it a time vacuum. But there That's was, a good term. There's yeah. no time there. But it well, seems who- like some NDEers will say, okay, I was... In my NDE, and it felt like I was there for hours, but I was only physically right. dead for for a couple minutes. But they're still giving us a time frame.
1: Right. And I'm going to throw a curveball in here, because when I made it to the light, it contained all time and no time, both together. It's a conundrum. And they, they, I've written about these conundrums on uh, the Facebook uh, threads, uh, where or it's, you know, it takes us into another subject of duality, non-dualism and dualism, and that's a really complex subject in and of itself, but an important one. But for me, I can only talk subjectively because I don't talk in guest about what other people experience. I can only take it from my own subjective experience that all time, and that's why when I was taken with the downloads, because I was asking a lot of questions with the light, uh, it had to take me, um, when I say physical, it took my soul back to uh, a point in time, uh, my point in time, but from God's version, it still exists. It's all happening from God's angle, from the absolute. And so this absolute and relative, that's another level you've got to get your head around because we're in this constant subjective relative state, and that's a subject I could talk about for a good half an hour, uh, especially in terms of an NDE because We talk about objectifying, oh, I saw my parents, or I saw my grandparents, or I saw Jesus, or I saw Shiva. So you're still objectifying something outside of you, subject, object, Mm -hmm. subject, object, okay? Very important, but when you get deeper into the NDE, as in my case, there's a merging point where there is no subjective, objective. You are merged as one, and you cannot describe it. It's indescribable. Because you become every, I became everything and nothing simultaneously. The total uh, total ego is destroyed. Mm -hmm. There was no John. There was no time and you become everything. And this is a really, uh, I like the word sexy because not everyone will experience this until they die, Jeff. Right. So for some reason I was taken to that level. And at that level, there is so much information. In fact, All information is contained at that level. All information ever.
0: It's interesting that we're talking about that because I had another guest that basically traveled through the cosmos like you do. I think that this guest also experienced the oneness with God and with everything. And when the guest came back, became reclusive. And I think oh, you sounds are, like
1: someone's robbing sounds like someone's robbing my story and right? and it, <laughs> and,
0: um, so and I think you're the same way and I wonder if all the people who go that distance or go to that place in their NDE it changes them so dramatically that that's what happens when they come back.
1: Again, I can only answer myself and I didn't mm-hmm. read any other experiences for a long time so mm-hmm. when I went reclusive it wasn't <clears throat> because I chose. Excuse me. Chose to become reclusive. It was just um, it was uh, an outcome of not wanting to. Well, I was trying to shut the noise out. I was trying to shut the world out because all of that dense material hitting me, the emotional, mental, the whole concept. I was so dislocating for me that I had to. um, My mind was shattered. It was completely ripped apart. Mm. My whole reality was torn apart. Here's Mm. this young kid who was you know just a surfer, just I was an illustrator with advertising and power I'm hit with this unbelievable experience and um, you know it, every it just pressed every button. I mean you think there's buttons, you don't even believe there's buttons to press but it pressed every damn button in my mind um, from that point on and it's still pressing my buttons because I'm quite um, I'm unsure of things. I mean I don't like to say things that I know this for sure. Because people jump down your throat, right? Um, I mean, I went and asked, you know, a rabbi, uh, ministers, and I wanted to find out. Like, you know, I've had this amazing experience, and they, and you know, the they projected their uh, <clears throat> uh, relative beliefs onto me, which really disappointed me. Uh, not one of them, not one, in twenty years, ever said, "What did God say?" Not one asked the question, and that that's really a big one for me. I thought. You got no idea what it said. It told me everything, and it's like here's me, this kid coming out, and I sounded like a real know-it-all talking about things, walking around their theology and in inside their their catechisms and inside out, and saying, "Hang on, you've got it all wrong." I've had, and so I realised, "Oh my God, I've had this Gnostic experience," and they haven't had it all the way up to the Pope. I'm sure some have now. Uh, you know, you've got a a papal structure, especially in our Western religion which is basically a pyramid top-down system where the Pope has infallibility, divine in- infallibility, self-appointed by a voting system by looking at puffs of smoke coming out a chimney. I mean, that's pretty antiquated. It's just like, wow, no, no, God can actually take you out of your body, as a lot of these OBEs, NDEs attest. You, you're not even in your physical body. There's no puffs of smoke or anything. It just happens, whether through an accident. <clears throat> in my case, it was a poisoning from a, a very powerful Mastering yeah, me a lot of people thought oh, it was a drug. It's like, no, no, no. Drug, has, the word drug, philo- philologically, semantically, drug means to suppress, mm-hmm. right? Drug caps. And this is another area, you being uh, uh, in the health industry, I talk about um, the, uh, the, the vehicle of, um, well, there's sacraments as far as I'm concerned. There's holy sacraments in every religion around the planet. There's something you put in your mouth to change your consciousness. In the case of Western religion, you've got wine and bread, which are symbolic attributes, but I'm getting off track. But um, <clears throat> I'm talking about, you know, this no time, moving into a all-time no time, mm-hmm. and then you've got to start to put all of these patterns of what's happened to people and put them together and make some sort of a, a cosmology, for want of a better word, you've got to find out what really happens when we get across on the other side. Well, firstly, for me, it changed me radically from a 30-year-old you know, kid who was a nobody, nothing burger to a really reclusive, thoughtful, I went into um, philosophy, I started reading rapaciously, I forgave, oh, you know, I, things I did when I was younger, which I regret, I just stopped, immediately stopped. And I just moved off into a very reclusive period of my life. And as I said, I don't know everything, Jeff, but you just keep learning. I say that, just keep learning and studying.
0: I'm pretty sure that you did encounter source, or I guess, would you consider it source or God? And do you feel like if it's God or source, did God just download this information? Or did you actually have a conversation where you asked questions and got answers?
1: Well, okay. I'll, I'll just scroll back to a <clears throat> part of the conversation you said earlier about going somewhere. And this is, this was what triggered me to ask my initial questions because I'd gone through nature, uh, expanded into nature through plants, trees, rocks, the planet, uh, weather seasons, and I expanded out into the stars. And then it, and then it collapsed in on itself. It imploded and it went dark. And then, um, I was in what some call, well, I would say, now that I've seen a few NDEs, I'd say I was in that dark void. And that dark void is a gap between leaving the human realm, the human consciousness realm in its entirety, and then you, you're in this space of no energy. And then after that, a gate manifested. And um, I'll never describe that gate because I don't want anybody lifting that because these are personal experiences that I can... Um, uh, Verify for one of a better reason, and and for me, I must have been shown that gate for specific reasons, and then I went through the tunnel, and then I yes, I had to go through other ethereal gates. They were like veils or crystalline gates, and they did they folded, they folded and changed, and then I was let through, and so I went through quite a multiple few of these. So, in my John mind. You remember this is, a you know, I'm in my NDA and I'm thinking I'm going somewhere. So when I get to the light, uh, there, there was this form of telepathic osmosis. It was like osmosis telepathy, meaning nothing was said. It was pure knowing and it was pure love. And I knew I was home and I'd been there millions of times before. I've said this in my book. I've said it every time and commented I'd been there millions of times, not just once or twice or three, millions. Hmm. So instantly we can uh, segue into cosmology. Well, if you go there millions of times, that means I've come out of the light millions of times and I've gone back millions of times, which denotes a cosmology of the uh, transmigration of individual souls. In my case, my soul had been other entities, which all weren't shown to me because it would just—I wouldn't cope. You blow your mind. You can't cope. with enough to see ten lights. I saw ten past lives. but when I saw the source, uh, I didn't even know it was God. It was just this sheer light, but it had everything in it, and it was just being. It wasn't pushing, shoving, or there was no dualism in it. It was pure light, and yet within that light was everything. That is um, non dual, oh, sorry, dualized. It was non dual and dualized simultaneously. What does that actually mean? Well, uh, and this is where um, we get into conflict with people's uh, um, stories about their NDEs, about they're going to go home, they're going to see grand and grandpa and then their grandparents. And then when you start describing it in terms of having different people up there, where's God in all of this? They talk about being in heaven with all of these relatives. Not everyone gets on with everyone, and people say, well, are you going to retain your personality? Uh, are you going to be you? Are you going to be Jeff uh, Jeff, uh, Mara when you get over there? And you know, I mean, because we've got people we don't like, dislike people, who have had arguments with fights, there's evil people like Hitler. We just start to get down that narrative, and it's all split and divided. no, 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 no. God is one. It is absolute. It is everything, void of all dualized concepts. But the, when we merge with it, when we fully merge with the light, you, it's not you. You lose it. You want to lose your identity. You want. That's. I wanted to go. I wanted to remain there. I wanted to stay because it is beyond. Com- the love is beyond anything you can imagine. Why would you run away from love? You don't. And, and you you seen, everything in me was seen, every nuance of thought, everything I'd done, not just in this life, in every life prior. I just knew it. It wasn't didn't need to be said. That's that telepathic osmosis, absolutely gobsmacking power and awe from my, you know, like it had power, but it was like an anti-power. It was an anti-power but a power at the same time, another one of those conundrums. This is why people, when they do try to talk about it, it comes out like gobbledygook. It sounds jumbled. It sounds crazy because there's no logic to it, and yet it's logic because we have all come from it or our soul has come from it. But I have a completely different view about the soul now. I don't believe the soul is a solid thing. And why I say that, it's kind of like bits of spaghetti, subtle strings of spaghetti jumbled together, right, through uh, processes, cosmological processes. Then that little piece of spaghetti is sent down as a ball, right, it's a subtle ball of energy, comes down and then impregnates into a uh, an earthly ape body. I call it an ape body because it's so ape-like, you know, com- like the animal kingdom. And so you've got this little tiny minuscule speck of light in you, Everyone has one, doesn't matter if you're evil, good, whatever. Everyone has a piece of light in you. It's just how it works. But the cosmology of that spaghetti unravelling when you go through these different, um, uh, this long journey. And, Jeff, what I realised intuitively uh, that I was actually travelling through my own subtle body system. This this was a revelation that I discovered 10 to 15 years afterward. I wasn't travelling anywhere. I was in the same place, physically in the same spot because God's everywhere also. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're going through dimensions. You're expanding into those through your subtle bodies until finally you reach that final, what they call the logoical God body, and you become God, and God is everywhere in everything. Where I differ philosophically uh, in terms of philosophical uh, application is I'm a panentheist now. I think that would be the closest description, as opposed to pantheism. Mm -hmm. uh, Panentheism is imminent and transcendental. That means there's a transcendental aspect to deity at the absolute, whatever you want to call it, source life, which can always move out depending on your relative spiritual growth and the collective human growth. So this allows for individual growth, collective growth, which is a a huge and vast subject in and of itself because, um, in fact, there's a Jewish metaphysical treatise on this. I was just looking this up this morning uh, called Pasufim, which means many faces of God. Now, a lot of Christians don't study this stuff, but it was an ancient Jewish mystical which underpins Christianity, and they talk about uh, the uh, multiple spheres. They call them spheres or shells of God, and as we break a new shell, we emerge into another shell individually. We keep breaking these shells, and we grow, and these shells are like electrons. They're negative. You break through, and you make a breakthrough, but that's not not the end of the story. The shells are infinite, absolutely infinite, and this is what does people's heads in, and they can go mad. I I went slightly crazy on return, I admit it, because I was just like, boom, you get hit with this holographic knowledge. Mm -hmm. You get hit with everything at once. So the problem, we go back to time again. I've come from this holistic no time, all time. You've got to bring it back to consciousness, which runs in linear evolutionary processes. A follows B follows C follows D, right? That's how our consciousness empirically grows. But Carl Jung covers a treatise on uh, uh, synchronicity and, and uh, I think he talks synchronicity and augmented psychic functions, where b a d and c come together in a cluster event which defies logic but it's still illogical but logical if that makes sense you have these beautiful synchronistic events in real time down here you think oh my god oh, oh and it all happens at once you think that that defies logic that's a good place to be that that would be the closest we can get to an augmented reality whilst fully conscious Uh, If that answers the question
0: for you, you were talking about dualism, and my interpretation of dualism is someone that believes that we have a body, and then our consciousness is separate from our body. And and hold on, one second. And so I used to kind of be that way. Sometimes I guess I still am, but I'm kind of becoming more of the way that our whole existence in this realm on Earth, you know, our bodies, everything is just our consciousness manifesting itself here. Our body is just a manifestation of our consciousness. So let's it's break being, that down. Instead of being okay.
1: separate. So you're talking about consciousness from, because uh, <clears throat> the brain is only a hard space, okay? And this is this is where material science is struggling at the moment uh, as to whether consciousness is separate from the brain. And this mm-hmm. is this goes into paranormal, all paranormal activity, dreams, astral Mm -hmm. travel, um, OBEs, NDEs. And so this is a big hurdle. This is a big hurdle for materialists to get over. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, they won't have, they're all going to run that last hurdle when they die. They'll find it. But that's too late. Mm -hmm. We're, We're on a philosophical note. We're meant to cross those hurdles before we die because we started dying on the second breath that we are born, we are dying In physical form so you talk about the physical body is decaying from the day it's born it starts to yes it grows but you've got seldom as it are with consciousness um and this is a really good point where we talk about and i try to bring this subject up quite often about uh pre-existence of the soul which by extension would be pre-existence of consciousness itself because consciousness and soul must have a link because the soul is not just a soul. What does the soul consist of? This is why I was talking about the soul before in terms of spaghetti. Well, I've sort of subtly determined that uh, you've got, well, the causal body is one bit of spaghetti, and the causal body carries over from consecutive uh, incarnations, okay, previous lives. So that's a form of consciousness, but you've got mundane consciousness, earthly consciousness, which is uh, attributed to the five sense perceptions, sight smell taste touch uh, and what's the fifth one um uh what does i say taste sight smell touch i can't remember the fifth one hearing thank you yeah. um so you've got these five senses that we need to to work on this dimension as physical bipedal you know and anthrop- anthrop- you know hominids that's what we are we're part animal and we need them we've had them for millions of years all animals have these sensory perceptions when you're dealing with uh, these subtle forms of consciousness, which we've all had when we really sit down and question people, when you say, you, for example, you have a dream, dream consciousness, that can, dream consciousness itself, Jeff, can separate away from mundane uh, uh, emotional feedback loops from the daily or, or mental feedback loops from daily working with your five senses. So people can get dreams about what happened in the day. When you breach into these weird uh, areas of consciousness, and I am getting to your point about the separation of consciousness, sometimes people have dreams of future events. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not so good, like an accident, or sometimes they win lottery or whatever. So they've breached the time envelope. This is when it starts to get into illogical forms of consciousness. Uh, other areas, premonitions, or you might get someone that's going to ring you up. You know who they are. You know this is when you start to get into these weird areas of consciousness that are considered pseudoscience if not even uh, non-existent according to psychologists and modern modern um, modern um, mind research but that's starting to change that is starting to slowly change I mean everyone has these dreams they're subjective not everyone has the really profound experiences of an obe but I mean I think Joe Homsey and I did a radio interview on um Caribbean radio, and he said, "There's over a million NDEs a year, and this is just people who are actually declaring them." Jeff, what about the ones that don't declare their experiences? I can't prove, <clears throat> I can't prove that consciousness exists outside of my mind and my body, uh, unless we get uh, veridical NDEs, and this is why they're so exciting to talk about. You know, uh, veridical NDEs—they see things that they could not have possibly seen from their vantage point and under, under, you know, anesthetic or whatever. So this is why it's exciting research. And there's only a handful of people that are actually doing this in a, in a meaningful scientific method methodology. You know, for me, I'm not interested in that, but that's, that's the early phases of this new consciousness versus uh, uh, mind research. And it is a very exciting area.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to pin you down here. So, Do you believe that your body here is a manifestation of consciousness, or do you believe that your consciousness is separate from your body? And especially when you have your NDE, you just went somewhere else, and now your consciousness is here with your body. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. I believe that, yes, my body is a form of consciousness. Yes. The densest form of consciousness. It's a, a body, yes, so it's
0: a uh, manifestation of it in physical reality.
1: Yes, and it can change. And this is why uh, they say that if you can access the subtler forms of your consciousness, it filters down. And there's a an actual process to this where it goes top down, da- top down, inside out. Okay, that's a very good thing to write down: top yeah. down, inside mm-hmm. out. That means spirit first or consciousness first. In all its forms but that, that's augmented on a ladder of scale of you know this is the this en- topic of nds OBs in general mm-hmm. but it comes down into you into your soul into your subtle body system then it mani- then it manifests through your bio survival body this space suit right so yes you can change your physical body because it is connected to your uh, higher consciousness uh well you would think that most people are, but most people are veiled. And they—you know many people are, veiled. I can't say most because I'm not an actuarial, but many people are veiled. So they go, oh, this is all rubbish. I said, yes, that's in your relative subjective viewpoint now. But guess what? In 10 years' time, you're going to say, oh, it happened to me. And that's exactly what happened to me. Right. I thought stuff was rubbish. And then it happened to me. I thought, oh, oh my God.
0: Right. Maybe that's why, one, the placebo mm-hmm. effect works because of changing your consciousness and mental state, you believe in it, yeah. it works. And two, maybe yeah. that's how people have medical miracles because either they believe something or some other being does something to their consciousness and then they end up having a medical miracle.
1: Spot on, 100%, Yeah, I mean, look at Anita Morjani, classic story. I, I've um, seen her YouTube videos, a couple of YouTube videos. And uh, for the viewers who've not seen her uh, story, great story. Go and watch it. I mean, she was had cancer, riddled with cancer around her throat and these tumours. Uh, she was in a coma, I believe, and then she came out of the coma, and um, all the tumours miraculously just cured themselves because it was a sh- major, major shift in her consciousness from the spiritual. This is why it's so important to get a spiritual epiphany. Mm-hmm. But remember. Don't lock on to the spiritual epiphany as the be all and end all uh, to define your reality mm-hmm. because they're relative. Every spiritual epiphany seems to be relative. And some say, well, according to your prior beliefs, that's not true either. If we really analyze that, I was an atheist, but I was given insight taken all the way. And so I thought, oh, well, I, I perceive it was all the way because I got to the light and I had this monstrous telepathic download and discourse with it. I asked questions. I pounded it with questions, which not everyone gets the chance to do that, you know, from anecdotal and reading anecdotal. they get Many of them get sent back. Many get sent back. Uh, I was sent back. I, I, I said, no, I don't want to go back. And I said, it's okay. We're always here. We're, we're always here. Always means always.
0: You just said that you asked questions. And who are you asking yeah. questions to? The light. <clears throat> yeah, okay. the light directly. So that, that's you're the first thing to, I said. When you're saying to the light, you're saying to God or to source?
1: Yep, yep, yep. This is, again, there's different levels of telepathy, and this is another interesting subject. There's this knowing level, osmosis. It's like you walk in, like I'll try and give you a metaphor, an al- a metaphor for that. You walk in a room. You see two people, you know they've just had an argument, yet you heard no yelling. Mm. How do you know that? Because you're picking up this energy of it. You go, ooh, the energy's not right here. Mm. Well, that's amplified by a lot when you get on the other side. That's, that that kind of feeling is amplified. So I knew I got all of this osmosis telepathic in. I say it was like a body or soul osmosis of telepathy going into me with vast amounts of information. And you got to remember it was so foreign to my previous thinking but you're so open, there was no blocks because my body wasn't there, I'm in my soul. Mm-hmm. So you just open, There's this open book It's going bang, not just into your subconscious, it's going into your very soul. So when I get to the light, I say, oh, you know, I've got this entity, this light force in front of me. And I said, where are you? That was the first thing I think I said was, where are you? Mm-hmm. And they said, we're everywhere. And, and I didn't understand that because I had travelled through all of that. Hence a lineage. I think it was out there in the universe somewhere. I said, but where are you? And the light did this subtle, um, energetic inflection underneath. It was so subtle, but you know, when you're talking about deity or God, subtle is not just subtle. Boom, you, you shifted completely, you understand. And it and it then it, it actually merged with me. And it said, We are everywhere. And I still didn't kind of understand, and so it merged with me. And pow. I became everything and nothing. I was totally w- destroyed. When you're bathed in love, and this is the difference about having an NDE or just astral travel. When you have an NDE, you're absolutely bathed with love. Deity can do all of this, and you just accept it with equanimity. You can't fight it. You just can't fight it, Jeff. So when I became the light, I understood what everywhere meant. Mm-hmm. Everywhere meant the whole damn universe, and the dimensions that, you know, I'm not not talking physical, yes, that, Mm -hmm. but you go through all the dimensions and it's just like it's wordless. You can't put it into words because we don't even have, we don't have a linguistic yet. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been invented yet. Mm -hmm. It could be a million years in our future. We might come up with a semblance. If we studied psychology and mind and consciousness for even a thousand years or even a hundred years, all of us, if we did it, we might get some sort of a mapping system of consciousness, uh, to try to get specific words for specific states of consciousness. But when you get beyond that, that five sense perception, and we go back to, you know, consciousness, mind, relationship, when you get into these paranormal events, we I don't think it gets to oral, it has to be passed from person to person and you discuss it with people who've had it. It's a Gnostic experience. So I think I was just going uh, on a a similar subject. I was going through Robert Anton Wilson's Eighth Circuit Theory of Consciousness this morning and uh, there's eight full circuits, but it's not until you get to the Sixth Circuit of Consciousness, which most people aren't on. It's quite a level of uh, metaprogramming uh, circuit, which is that's when you get into relativity of realities. Mm. (laughs) It's a little bit like Neo taking the red pill and the everything starts to break down that his. that's the fifth circuit. And then he has to start reprogramming and putting in the Kung Fu and, you know, tank is uploading new programs. Well, that's the meta program. You're, you're reborn and you have to actually put all these new programs in. So,
0: yeah. Right. All right. Let me change something here with you. So you're saying that you're not really going anywhere. You're still here, but just changing dimensions. So do you think that when people are traveling through the tunnel, they're just, the tunnel is just an interdimensional travel system.
1: That's a good question, uh, and I've actually, uh, from a subjective, uh, personal experience, I felt I was going through the silver cord, and the silver cord is mentioned in in the Bible as uh, you know, once the silver cord's cut, you're dead, but you can still have a near-death experience uh, if your body can be sustained and remain alive physically. Your your little spacesuit down here has to be you know fed, watered up, all this sort of thing. So there's only a set amount of time that your consciousness can fully sever from the body before the body starts to decay. Now, this is why we can have these experiences. Um, so so just go back to that question again, because I really want to pinpoint the, the actual answer again.
0: I was saying that do you feel that when people are traveling through the tunnel, oh, yeah. Yeah. the tunnel is an interdimensional traveling system?
1: Okay. Um yes i do believe that but i believe it's possibly the only straight line in the universe back to source is through the tunnel Mm -hmm. um because light is bent light is not straight light bends all over the shop due to gravitational waves also consciousness is affected by gravity and all of these physical physics you know metaphysics and physics are very similar So this is why uh, direct, direct answers are sometimes so powerful and simple people don't get it. The answer to all of the questions, love, L-O-V-E. I'll say that again. That's the answer. That's the answer, Jeff. Love. Love everyone. Love God. Now practice it. Different kettle of fish. You've actually got to, you know, work on your emotional medicine. So the tunnel, yes, is connected back to light directly, always, mm-hmm. until you physically die and you actually go back up and you're going back through your own string, which go, comes from your crown. And that's why it's always good to die a, um, a nice, comfortable death because I have read about, like, in my personal life, I lost a partner and daughter in a car accident. And uh, we talk about how you die can affect uh, what you see, okay, so the proper death, in theory, if we're all aged in our 80s, 90s, whatever, in our, in our twilight years, we get the luxury of dying slowly and we get to see the stages. And we might even get help that's coming from the other side, like grandparents or relatives or an angel or whatever. And I've, I've theorized uh, why. It's, not, it's only in my opinion. It's not, not whether it's a hard fact. But I think that a lot of people would find it hard to navigate past certain aspects of the NDE, like the black void, for example, or getting to the gate. And I'm sure that they come down prior, they're way, way, way down denser. They're in your etheric field right there, and then you can see them, they manifest. But they're only allowed to do that right at the last three or four days of someone dying. Boom, these people say, ooh. And then they'll take them through the tunnel together so that your relatives become guides. Now, the merging process, when you get right to the light, that's another kettle of fish. If you physically die once you merge, and this is when we get into the cosmology of whether we all go to heaven and stay there or does reincarnation exist. This this is where we have a clash of ideologies. I'm a reincarnationist now. I had no preconceived beliefs because I was an atheist. I can't lie. I saw many You know, I experienced that I had millions of lives. That's it. that was a given, and I accepted it. And so, yeah. So we all go through the tunnel, Jeff. To answer that question, we all must go through the tunnel when we die. When I say all, mm, I can I can only speculate that would be the path home for for everyone, whether it's dogs, animals, ETs, humans, because we all have these strings mm-hmm. now. The strings pass through the dimensions. It's a little bit like uh, string theory in quantum physics. You've got string theory, then you've got holographic theory, interdimensional theory. They're all valid. All of those theories are valid, and they must all overlap in some way in some sort of a, uh, uh, a unified field theory, for want of a better word. So they all work. So it's no good arguing whether string theory is more powerful than holographic theory. Or morphic resonance, all of these different theories come here. Rupert Sheldrake, morphic resonance. Um, you know, you've got to say, well, they all maybe they all exist. I say yes. Hands up. Yep, I put my hand up. Yep, they all exist, all of them. It's just that we're not unifying them, uh, and it's probably impossible to unify them because you have to experience that unified field, and NDEs are the only ones who are experiencing that unified field from a gnostic, subjective relative way science can't unless they can give you a pill to kill you and bring you back see but we're dealing with metaphysics and metaphysics has different rules especially when it comes to causal karmic bodies and all of these subtle bodies and astral bodies celestial body logo body blah 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 blah. Mm. if that makes sense
0: yeah all right let me ask you this now after doing over a hundred of these podcasts and i just kind of start to collect my own personal data on people's experiences. It seems like there are three or four different levels or outcomes of NDEs. I'm going to tell you them and maybe you can fill in any holes for me. It seems like level one is you kind of just pop out of your body and you're just hanging around your body and then you may see some strange stuff. You, you may see entities, your environment may kind of change, but then you eventually go back in. Level two is you're out and then you go to the black void. And that for the most time is a peaceful place. Some people may experience a lot of love. Sometimes they'll see entities there and then they'll go back. And then level three is they make it to the tunnel and go, you know, to worlds or to other dimensions. And level four is they'll go through the tunnel and go all the way to source. What am I leaving out here?
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, uh, from, from uh, Yeah, that's a pretty good analysis, I'd say. I mean, okay, let's talk about the OBE. <clears throat> and if we want um, a solid 100% answer, um, and this goes back to consciousness separating from physical, the OBE is a given. Everyone who's had an OBE, that's not necessarily an NDE, but it kind of is because if people have died on the table or whatever, or organ failure or whatever, Technically, they've had a near-death experience, but the OBE, uh, um, was that's when your consciousness separates from the physical. So that's a given. That's 100%. We know that now that the soul can survive or consciousness can survive the body if it's dead, whatever, unconscious, in a coma, you're out. I've had an OBE. I've had uh, two NDEs, but the first two were more equivalent to OBEs. I call mine an NDE only because, um, well, technically none of us have died, have we? None right. of us has actually, actually permanently <laughs> died. So they're technically all OBEs. If you want to get to play with semantics, people say, "Oh yeah, my my heart shut down." I said, "Yeah, but they brought you back after seven minutes, so your brain didn't shut down." So technically, no one's actually died physically gone into the ground, and then a year later popped out of the grave, dug their way out and said, hey, guys, you know what would what you physically survive on? I mean, I'm being facetious here. So technically, we've all had OBEs. So the term NDE was coined by some, who was uh, some, you know, Raymond Moody, I think it was, or one of those. Per- I didn't even know what an NDE was. But when people started describing uh, the third and the fourth aspect that you posited there, the tunnel and the source, I thought, well, I've been through the tunnel and I've spoken to the light so okay so that's what NDE, and then i found out the statistic through joe holmes he said only about four percent actually go through the tunnel four percent out of all ndes recorded uh uh, i that's just a throwaway anecdotal statistic i'm not a statistician so maybe someone can actually from the viewers can come up and say well or in the comments they can say well it's 10 percent. so well i'm not into percentages because that part doesn't bother me um, but yeah the void um a lot of people talk about the void that's the second part so the obe yeah from what i've um from what i gather uh, is you can see relatives you can see deceased relatives but the danger here is people then project the cosmology onto seeing those relatives saying oh well and you say you're a christian they'll say oh well they come from heaven and and um and they're they, they basically they're going to take me to a place later but that's what we've been trained to be told uh, through religion and their catechisms and their and their cosmology, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm not against Christianity at all. I just think there's been a few edits out of Christianity which I'm not comfortable with, uh, namely reincarnation, because when we get into technical uh, Christian speak, can we define what immortality is? Because that's meant to be a, a salvationist uh eschatological, that's end time, reward or punishment, either hurled into hell or, or uh, given immortality through what process? What's the process of immortality? Let's let's debate that, you know, with some of these theologians, and they can't because they're taking it from the word, and the word just says, oh, you'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I think that's in the book of Corinthians. Um, well, what does that mean, changed in the twinkling of an eye? Consciousness is the only thing that can change in a twinkling of an eye. You know, it's a realization. How do you, you, you get what I'm saying? Because physically, nothing changes that quick in some rare, rare, rare cases. Uh, uh, like Anita Mujani with her NDE, she cured her illness, but it wasn't instantaneous, but it is, it's a medical miracle as far as I'm concerned, which gives it a veridical aspect. So, but this black void, um, I went through that and that was the only time in my own personal experience where I was a little bit concerned because it was completely black, no energy, no pushing, pulling. There was nothing to latch on. There was no point of reference, Jeff, because, as I said, I went through nature first. I knew I was going to a rock, a tree, the planet, whatever, because my five senses could equate to that. You have environmental, uh, um, you know, 30 years of environmental uh, and, you know, being able to perceive reality in this dimension So I think it was just warming me up. When I say it, the light was just warming me up. Um, And I got a guide. I sensed a guide when I was in the void. I couldn't see it, and it wasn't Jesus. But that doesn't mean to say it wasn't a valid guide. I mean, but I sensed a presence there, and every time I tried to look, I couldn't see it, but I knew it was okay. It was benevolent, it wasn't nasty. Um, So I had no negative experiences whatsoever in my experience, but when um, well, when I went through the tunnel, as soon as I went through the gate in the tunnel, that's when I could feel that osmosis. I thought, I just, I know this. It was like a river of light. And I thought, you get on that river and go, mate. And I pushed because I'd been to the tunnel once before. I was like, I'm pushing, so I pushed. My will was the thing that got me out of the void and through the gate because I chose to go through it. I actually said, oh well, here we go. That was I said something like that. I went, oh, well, here we go. What the hell? I something? Or what the heck? And I went through. But it was my consciousness uh, could drive, and that's an important part that a lot of people may or may not understand. I had no guides that said, hey, come with me. My grandmother didn't come and say, grab my little hand, Johnny, and come with me. No, no, no. I was there. I had a presence, but it didn't say you can go through or come back. It, it wasn't warning me. It was just there. And I felt it was there for the later gates that I went through, these more subtle, more subtle gates that I went through. But I I decided to go through. Once I hit that tunnel, that's when the osmosis telepathic kicked in. I knew I was going home. I just knew it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get there wherever that home was, you see. And so when I got there, it's like, holy crap, like this this is it. This is the big one. I tried to see through the light too, Jeff. Like, was this the end of the tunnel? Was there something beyond the light? No, the light is the light. It is pervasive. It's everywhere. It's transcendental. It's imminent. It's in everything. But you, I was going into a concentrated version of it, it was fully, fully concentrated with every, it was just energy, pure, unadulterated love and energy, love, love, love beyond you can any imagining. You, you, it's impossible unless one's had the experience. It's wordless. It's you can't define it. I can't paint it. I can't. It's beyond all of my, the physical attributes. Right. So once you hit the tunnel, the different ball game, different ball game. You know you're going home, and it's okay. Everything's okay. There's no false light. You're not being deluded by a satanic lie. Satan doesn't exist up there. Negative forces don't exist. There's no duality except your soul and God, and and then you go into when eventually if you merge, you know you want to merge. You want to lose your identity. You want to stay. It's home. You don't want to come back to this freaking hell realm down here with guns and shooting and rapes and murders and God knows what else. Why would you want to come back to that? And look, even if we put a religious argument on it, You know, when people say they saw Jesus or whatever, that's fine. Fantastic. But in the Bible, it says Jesus will return. How come no one asks him? When are you coming back? Well, he he may not come back. Who would want to come back here? Jesus has been once. Jesus or Buddha or whatever, they come to the hell realms. They conquer the hell realms in the physical form because it's so hard. So when they say, follow me, they're not saying, follow you in a tupperware religion and bow down. They're saying, do what I did. Conquer all your, your sexual desires. Conquer your physical uh, um, desire bodies, your lust, your greed, all the seven deadlies. You conquer those, and you're getting closer to leaving uh, this dimension in physical form. You can go to heaven in physical form, and they don't teach you that in the Bible or, or at church. You can get to heaven in the physical There are multiple heavens. There's seven heavens in the literature, uh, uh, metaphysical literature. It's in Islam still. They've got the seven heavens. Go and read it. Google it. It's all there. Uh, Muhammad went through the seven heavens. Enoch, biblical patriarch, he went through all the heavens. Jesus conquered hell. He went back to heaven. But, you know, and then he said, I'll come back. But in what form was Jesus or these people going to come back? He said he'd come back. He said he'd send a helper in the form of Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit has been bathing the planet for 60 to 80 years now, and that was the time what I feel in my subjective opinion reading theology, I believe that was the time of Pentecost, which is actually a Latin word, I think, or a Greek word, but penta meaning five. So but basically I'm getting off track, but this Holy Spirit, define it. During the time of Pentecost, Holy Spirit hit men, sons and fathers, right, daughters and mothers. It bypassed Jesus because it was the Father itself bathing us with with Holy Spirit. No, Jesus was involved because Jesus is Holy Spirit. And then we get back to non-duality again. If Jesus is Holy Spirit, if we see Jesus as an anthropomorphic image, it may be just for your subjective beliefs. If Jesus was Holy Spirit... He would be light. Now there is a section in the Bible that said God has no form. I can actually even quote it. I've got my book here. If anyone wants to see that, I you know, think I'm anti-Christian. Don't kid yourself. I study the Bible every day. I've wow. got
0: so Look many got four of notes. These.
1: I've got four of these. Right from the King James Version, I've got every version of the Bible. My, that's a 1980 version. 1980. That's an NIV. Now that version. There's been changes since then. I go and look at the modern version, and they're changed. They've changed a stack of stuff, subtle changes, which have decontextualized um, um, uh, books. Yeah, look look at the Catholic Bible. There's 14 books more than the actual uh, uh, Protestant book. You've got things like uh, the filioque controversy. Again, this was the centralization of Jesus as the only son of God. People say, oh, the Bible's never been changed. Bullshit, Jeff. The Bible has been changed so much. Even by omitting books, you've changed it. By omitting stuff, you've changed it. And it says anyone who changes the book gets set. Now, I could go into this on a much deeper level when we talk about deaths. People throw Hebrews 9.23 or 9.27 at me. It's attributed man to die once and then the judgment. Well, you can't have judgment on the other side because they talk about a day of judgment. There are no days on the other side. There's no time on the other side. They're talking about down here. Every judgment's down here. They talk about the first death and the second death. Nobody wants to talk about this. I've spoken to theologians. They don't understand it. What's this second death? What's the second death? It's mentioned three times in the book of Revelation. So when you're talking about death, uh, I think we're talking about death of the ego. So you have got you die to Jesus. That's your first death through baptism, but then there's this second death, which is by Holy Spirit, right? Um, this is, as I said, it's the second death. It's judgment day. I think we're looking at the same. This judgment day. This Holy Spirit, when we all get individually tested, all of us, even NDA, even I'm an NDA, I get tested. Trust me, I'm not perfect. No way, I am not perfect. No, I am not perfect. Only the light is perfect. I'll admit it. And it says that in scripture. It says it in the Bhagavad Gita. It says it in Hinduism, Buddhism. The absolute is absolute. They're all saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Native American, they have Tunkashla, which is grandfather. They have Wakantanka, which is the great mystery. And the great mystery is perfect. We will never figure it out. Don't don't kid yourself. Nobody has all the answers here. Some we get close, but when we try to... We think, I've got it, out the fingers, and, you know, hayoka mm-hmm. hey, medicine kicks in, and you're getting kicked up the jacksie, you know, you're getting kicked <laughs> up the butt. You think you know everything? Watch this. Boom. You think, oh, my God, be humble, mate, be humble, humble up again. Mm-hmm. So I'm the first to admit, yeah, I've had this profound experience. I even questioned why the hell me? You got the wrong person. You got the wrong person. I don't know anything. You know, people, people can spit scriptures back wrote by rote. And I go, oh wait! I can paraphrase. I can paraphrase stuff because it's in my heart. Right. I can paraphrase because I know what it means. Like you know, and I, I used to say to people, I got to the point where I say, well, what covenant are you in? And they go, what? And I was being a bit facetious, and my ego was kicking in, and say, so, oh, oh, I said, well, there's seven covenants, and I'd love to go to court. I would love to go to a court of law, whack my hand on the Bible, and say to the judge, yeah, Your Honor. You know, I, I, I'm quite willing to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but which covenant are we in? Which covenant will you be representing today? And if he says what, I say, I'm sorry, court adjourned, because there's no ignorance of the law. I'm putting my hand on a divine book. Are we under divine covenant or secondary law, which is the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus? They were all bylaws, which, uh, you know, I can go into this uh, whole rabbinical exegesis that happened in 400 AD where the Talmud came out of uh, uh study of uh, Torah. So they wrote exegesis, which were bylaws, 211 mitzvahs. That's laws, right? They've got 213. They nicked two of the laws from the Torah, which were the 10 commandments. So are we under the Mosaic law or are we under Deuteronomy, which is man's law, secondary law, like counsel and, and legal? And what i found is most of our legal system, common law, is based off Talmudic or, or actually secondary law from the first five books of the Bible, Deuteronomy and Leviticus. A lot of people don't know this stuff. I've got lawyers who are family friends. I said, why do we put our hand on the Bible? What's the connection between common law and the Bible, which is divine law, right? So if they don't know uh, what covenant we're in, so I, I like specific covenants. So then I know where the judge can be coming from and where I'm coming from, right? So, it, I'm not being a smart ass for the sake of it, but this is this you need to know this stuff. Covenants are you in the Adamic covenant, which is the first one where the snake spoke to Adam and Eve? That's the first we already broke that law. So, apparently, we're all under sin. Well, the word is shin, it's not sin, it's shin. So, that word's been tampered with. So, even when we start talking about names and words, all the names of God have been changed. And this is uh, something I wanted to talk about. When, when I do have discussions with Christians, I say Jesus is the only way. I said, well, I'm sorry. Let's let's look at the word Jesus.
0: Yeah, well, before start. we get into something really heavy, I'm going to have to cut you off because <laughs> I'm running out of time. Oh, no, we're running uh, out of time. Yeah, okay. I'm actually, I'm almost over time. But before I go, I want to plug your book. Your book's called God's Mountain, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God's Mountain. It's on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback version. Right.
0: And he also, John is also a terrific artist, and you can see his artwork on Uh, johnscott.com.
1: johnscottartist.com.
0: There we go. johnscottartist.com. So if you want to find out more about him, and are you public on Facebook, if someone wants to chat with you on Facebook?
1: Yeah, I I am, um, but... It's like oh, the subjects that I delve into on Facebook, uh, I generally, I'm generally, i a member of the NDE group, which is a public group, mm-hmm. and I haven't done much posting because I'm going through some personal moving house at the moment, so I haven't been on there lately. Yeah. Uh, and some of the subjects, they don't bring up. I mean, they, they, they are heavy topics. As you've seen today, I've shot a few topics at you. Right. And it's like, whoa, these are big topics, like right. metaphysics, even Jewish mysticism, all of that. And one needs to study these things or at least have a modicum of knowledge of them before we can even begin the discussion. And most people are not on the same level. It's not about me bragging or being above. It's just that if you don't have understanding of this stuff, I won't discuss it. Right. So does that make sense? Sure. All right.
0: Well, before, before we finish it up, do you have one last message you want to share with everybody? Um yeah we're going through difficult times uh,
1: just have faith that we will get through them irrespective of your beliefs just try not to lash out at people or harm anyone really you don't have to love them okay that's fine but don't harm them that's 50% of the way i mean non-harm is is the way i would promote non-violence mm-hmm. you know just just don't get into that. I know you're gonna we're getting into conflicts. There's there's difference of opinions everywhere. Well, just back down. There's a creator. This is all planned. Uh, it's this we're in a difficult time. We're in what they call tribulation. We're in a dark period, dark spiritual period. You've got people stealing NDEs, appropriating NDEs. I mean, there's stuff I haven't even spoken about. I mean, I don't want to release it yet because it's just too esoteric and sacred. So I'm not trying to do that on purpose. I'm not into secret stuff, but it's just that I don't want these. These are very powerful truths, and if they get in the wrong hands, they can be misappropriated and twisted, and that's really dangerous because that means more souls get trapped. What we're trying to do is you got to get sovereignty over your own soul and start thinking for yourself and develop your own spiritual discernment it's so important. I know who I am, but I don't know who you are, right. you know?
0: Yeah. All but right, John. I really, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for that message, and um, I really appreciate you. I wish you the best, and hopefully uh, I'll see you soon.
1: Yeah, and I hope the comments, any negative comments, just try and think twice before putting negative comments. Uh, please, people. It's like <laughs> we all have our own subjective opinions. I've got plenty of them, and I'm sure – Many people out there do too. But love and light to everyone, Jeff. And thanks for having me on for the fourth time, mate.
0: Yes. Yes. All right, brother. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.